Hello, my boys. Thank you for tuning in to yet another episode of Movies, a podcast about the act of cinema. Before we get to today's show with Jeff Holiday, where we are discussing Annihilation, I just have four quick notes that I'd like to go over with you. Number one, PewDiePie is not a white supremacist. Number two, this episode and every episode is sponsored by Audible.com. If you go to audibletrial.com slash lowres, you will get a free audiobook and I'll make $15. Now, let's think about it like this. You probably don't want to give Jeff Bezos any more money. And why would you? I don't like the guy. I don't trust the guy. The fact that they're sponsoring me makes me feel like a corporate shill. But here we are. I need this money. I'm sleeping on a blow-up mattress. Now, here's what you do. I'm going to give you the inside scoop right now. You go to audibletrial.com slash You redeem that free trial. You will get your audiobook. You go to cancel. Guess what? I keep my $15. You keep your audiobook. And when you go to cancel, they're going to try to throw another audiobook at you. Or a reduced price if you decide to keep Audible beyond your free trial. So there's a move to be made here where you are reaping the benefits at Amazon's expense. And I am also profiting from that until they hear this episode. But hey, the odds are just as likely that you're going to enjoy this service and keep it because maybe you like books, maybe you love audiobooks, or you just enjoy the comfort of having three big corporations control everything in your life. Maybe that's your ultimate desire and secret fantasy. Who am I to know? Number three, subscribe to PewDiePie. And number four, we have merch on sale right now through the official lowres.live store, lowres.live slash store. Very simple to remember. We have three articles of clothing we have the let's play crew neck which is limited to 40 they are disappearing by the end of january even if i don't sell out we also have the collective t-shirt which justin wang recently promoted and said was the single best piece of youtuber merch and i i i i I don't really consider myself a a youtuber even though i you know i am a youtuber but i will definitely take that as a major compliment And number three is the Harm Does the Body Good t-shirt featuring one Tony Soprano. We also have an audiobook written by yours truly, a novella called Practice Makes Perfect. Yes, it is related to that abomination that I released on the YouTube channel, Lowrez Wonderbread. And it is uh, narrated, not nominated, it was narrated by uh, Jeff Holliday's partner today, Nicholas Joroff. I don't mean like a sexual partner, I mean a co-host on a TV show, well not even a TV show, on a web stream. (laughs) I'm fucking up. I'm uh, I'm really uh, my brain has shaked the bed here on this ad read. So yeah, go get a free audiobook, get my audiobook, buy some merch, and have some fun. All right, here we go. This is the episode Annihilation with Jeff Holiday. This is Movies, a podcast about the act of cinema. I'm your host Lorez, and today we have a very special guest. We have Jeff Holiday, known for uh, you, kind of uh, debunk pseudosciences and yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much my my forte. I, uh, I like I like hearing them bad ideas, people trying to take advantage of other people and uh, shred them apart. And you also host the YouTube Saints, and I've been on that twice now, and I've had a great time. One of the few streams I, I I've selected to be among uh, you know where my appearances go, because you know, I don't get invited anywhere else. But thank you for coming on. <laughs> the show today to discuss Annihilation. It's a long time to be inside and remain intact. Not so sure it was intact. I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of science fiction. It's yeah. it's pretty much my, my bread and butter, but also uh, because I when I was in school, I was studying for human biology, learning about genetics, that, sound, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. So you take Alex Garland, you mix in like sci-fi, biology, that kind of thing. I mean, it's it's the perfect movie for me. So you're, you you would consider yourself uh, an Alex Garland fan? Because all I've seen of his, aside from this movie, was Ex Machina. And I, I, I saw that movie probably at the worst time, which was right after everybody was praising it as this amazing film. And, uh, you know, it was kind of the thing where, you know, everybody's over the moon about this. And then you have these expectations going immediately into it. And it doesn't quite live up. You know? Yeah, I mean, well, I I would say Ex Machina is probably my favorite movie of 2014. Um, mm-hmm. it, there are definitely some uh, some some problems with it. Uh, tonally speaking, it's got a very strange flow. Uh, it doesn't really it doesn't really work as far as like a traditional paced movie. Mm-hmm. But the 
the very cerebral themes that are involved in Ex Machina are are very indicative of like Alex Garland's writing. And this is his first time really trying to do uh, his own directing. Because before, I mean, he was always working with Danny Boyle. Uh, 28 Days Later, The Beach. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm just looking at his biography now. I had no clue that he was actually a novelist. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I guess it makes sense that he was a screenwriter before that. Yeah, he's got a he's got an interesting uh, film career here, for he sure. He really does, yeah. And his, uh, his one collaboration with uh, Pete Travis was 2012's Dread, and that was, I, I mean, it was, it was absolutely incredible. You take an IP that's beloved, uh, you, you put it through the, the Stallone blockbuster Hollywood machine, and it comes out with just an absolute piece of garbage. You, you'd think that'd be it. Like, it's done, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's never going to be anything else. And then Dread comes along, and it just blows it out of the park. It was incredible. I, I did not see the uh, the update on Judge Dread, but I've heard nothing but good things. Again, 28 Days Later, Sunshine. I'm a big Danny Boyle fan, so I don't know why to make that connection earlier. I didn't know any of that going into this. and I, I was kind of vaguely familiar with the, the book because I had started reading the book, and then I got distracted about like midway through, and I, I wound up uh, jumping ship on that just temporarily. I'm going to go back to it eventually. But uh, Annihilation was one that did not necessarily immediately capture my attention at the start of this year, but I had heard uh, a lot of praises about it. And when I went into this movie, I kind of expected a gender-swapped version of the thing. And I I feel like we kind of got that a little bit. But before we get into any of that, uh, what made this movie uh, one of the films to really catch your eye this year and maybe why you wanted to talk about it a little? Uh, on the offset, I, I think the main thing that that caught me, uh, especially with the trailer, was the score, the 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 composing, the sound that you get just from that first trailer mm. is astonishing. And I'm I'm by no means like a big audiophile, but the 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 sound, the really incredible com- uh, compositions that are in this movie, and you saw it in the trailer, is very indicative for me to uh, Arrival. And that caught my eye. Uh, also, I, I what did you think a, of Arrival? By the way, I loved Arrival. Except I've seen so much Star Trek at this point that the the, the time paradox issue that comes near the end of it, um, yeah, yeah, that that bugged me. It really bugged me, and it, it almost ruined the movie for me. So I just kind of like selectively forget that that happens, and then I just enjoy the movie. And I think it's brilliant. Yeah, I had the same exact experience watching that movie where the ending kind of... But I, I, otherwise, I thought that was a fantastic uh, film. And uh, what, is, what is the director's name of that? Denny Villeneuve. Yeah. He's got such a great filmography. And he's going to be tackling Dune next, which is going to be incredible. Oh, that's, that's going to be... Oh, that'll be wonderful. Yeah. But I, I think it was, it was that. I had finally gotten over my, my distaste of Natalie Portman from the, the Star Wars prequels, <laughs> you know? Which, I mean, she'd already started to win me back from Black Swan, which is, uh, that's a complicated one. But, so I wanted to see her, and anything uh, Alex Garland, immediately I'm going to watch, no matter what. So, mm-hmm. uh, him tackling this kind of, uh, this kind of strange sci-fi, because I didn't really even understand what the plot was going to be going into it. So, opening day, because I'm such a Garland fan, uh, I went in the theater barely knowing anything about it, and I, I left speechless. It just blew me away. I only watched this somewhat recently for this show. I was going to get around to watching it regardless, but I've been just so caught up in checking out different movies where I can between working on, on things. But uh, I was surprised in some ways, both positively and negatively, as far as this film goes. But I want to put a pause on that just for a second. I want to talk a little bit more about uh, the pseudoscience kind of stuff, because you see this trickle into, uh, trickle into Hollywood. You do. And, uh, you know, the thing that really sprung sprung this to mind, I have a I have a Hawaiian shirt on right now that's very similar to Robert De Niro in Cape Fear. And Robert De Niro, um, he I think he was a judge at one of these one of these festivals, maybe it was Sundance, maybe it was Cannes or something. And a couple of years ago, a couple of years ago, that anti-vax movie Vaxed came out. Yep. Have you have you seen this movie? Uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm currently uh, deconstructing it in a very very long form uh, series of videos, and uh, yeah, no, it's a, it's a giant flaming piece of shit. And he he came out he he started trying to promote it, didn't he? Well, yeah, I more or less he uh, 
he kind of his whole thing was this. He's got a son who apparently developed autism not long after getting a vaccine. And uh, I, I don't know. He's I, I have no real opinion aside from I trust science or what the majority of scientists say. Sure. And his thing is, I guess, oh, well, you know, we don't know this, this whole science. We have to explore this a little better. I think we should be open-minded to this movie. And then that got put out everywhere else. And it, it was kind of like a co-signing of it. Yeah, and it's, it's unfortunate that, um, that he did that. The, the main reason why is, I mean, vaccines are safe. Uh, they don't cause autism. Uh, if it mm-hmm. did, then you'd never have a case of an unvaccinated kid getting autism, which they do. Uh, so it, it's 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 crazy, but it's unfortunate when the Hollywood celebrities embrace that kind of a thing because uh, far too often, you know, moviegoers, people who, who pay attention to celebrities, they'll just assume that these people who they love and they admire and they they watch on the screen uh, and and are very much kind of a part of their homes. They have this very home feeling with them. Uh, right. that, that they, you know, are trustworthy. And, you know, Robert De Niro doesn't understand anything about human biology or, or vaccines. Like, he's he's not an immunologist, and it's it's frustrating. And we had that with uh, uh, Jenny McCarthy uh, and Jim Carrey. When they were together, they were all up in arms about vaccines cause autism. Yeah, You've they're got- probably the biggest, the biggest names behind that whole movement. But an- another one, I don't know if you would know this guy's name off the top of your head, uh... There's this New York novelist who was very popular for a period of time. He's been kind of pushing this out onto Twitter recently. Tao Lin. Do you know who Tao Lin is? I don't think so, no. Well, he was kind of the the head of this whole literary movement that lasted maybe about a year or two called Alt-Lit. Not, not related to anything political whatsoever. It was very like minimalist gmail chat stuff and a lot of his books have been picked up recently as uh movie properties i checked out one this year called high resolution which was uh one of the more visually interesting movies to come out this year he's been pushing this out onto his twitter talking about all these correlations between this and that so it's it's weird how this has gotten mingled with uh i guess mainstream celebrities one of the interesting things about it too is uh, celebrities are trendsetters usually just like you know uh in a smaller form, like a YouTuber is going to want to pick up on the latest trends and try and embrace those trends or, or utilize them for their own metrics. You know, celebrities do the same thing, too. And if you got somebody who's uh, a little bit conspiracy minded, uh, maybe they, they currently feel like they can't trust the government or they can't trust like a big corporation, that sort of thing. I mean, it's a powder keg waiting to go off. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, especially because... What's fascinating about it, too, it's very much like a cult-like behavior with anti-vaxxers and pseudoscience believers and things like that. So when you get one of these celebrities, like Robert De Niro, and I watch this happen, too. He comes out and he, he starts questioning vaccines. The man is just overwhelmed with love and people saying, you are saving lives. Thank you, Robert. Thank you so much. And it's it's got to be a really intoxicating situation. Yeah. Yeah, I, well, what what is it that is leading people to jump to this conclusion? Oh, about vaccines and autism? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it started a long, long time ago, um, but it, it had its kind of renaissance with a, a doctor by the name of Andrew Wakefield. Mm-hmm. And he was putting in uh, doubts. First and foremost, at first it was he believed that, uh, that autism was connected to uh, dysfunction in the gut because uh, he was a uh, gastroenterologist. And then he also went and started publishing this uh, this debunked science. I mean, it was completely and thoroughly debunked, uh, where autistic children were developing the stomach problems after vaccination, specifically the MMR. It mm-hmm. just so happened that he completely fraudulently changed some of the data when it didn't support his claims. And while he was doing it, he had already been working on and developing a competing vaccine, which the dude would have made bank if he managed to pull it off. This whole junk science has been like the spinal column, I guess, of this whole movement that has been brewing up uh, over the past couple of decades. Then, absolutely, and they they don't want to, it's not even just like well-to-do uh, middle-aged people in America either. Like people people end up pushing this kind of shit into. 
like the developing world and and you've got people who need vaccines you know they need to vaccinate their kids or their kids are gonna they're gonna catch it and they're probably gonna die because they have you know poor access to traditional medicine uh mainstream medicine mm. uh you know and and people suffer and people die because of this kind of shit and i find that all very fascinating but i have a very very limited scope of understanding on a lot of it um I also want to touch on one other thing real quick before we get to the movie or, or just film back in, back to film in general, because you went on the Dr. Phil show to uh, take on this woman, this, this <laughs> treacherous lady, Jillian, with her fermented cabbage. Yeah. And uh, did I am I making this up in my head? Did I see am I misinformed here? Did I read that that cabbage drink uh, wound up offing some people? It's okay. It's kind of complicated. There is the one case that's the most notable was a man named Bruce Wilmot, and he was already terminal. Uh, he had, I think it was terminal pancreatic cancer, and he was given about three months left to live. So he was really desperate, and he found this uh, fermented for this fermented cabbage drink. Right. And uh, he did not last three months. He lasted a little bit over a month, and he died in in absolute agony, absolute oh, agony. Uh, the other one, which has not been confirmed, but it was a, a young woman. She was in her thirties. She'd never had a seizure in her life. No history of epilepsy. No nothing. She started doing this. She had a seizure in the tub and drowned. And, you know, one of the things about hypernatremia, when you have like an excess, an excess of salt to a toxic degree, uh, one of those things can be seizures and strokes. So, yeah, it's it's a pretty serious shit. So what, hold on. Wait, what was in the actual cabbage beverage? Was it just uh, it, it was just salt, cabbage and, and what? Hot water. water? What? Yeah, just it's a it's a ferment of uh, of cabbage or kale in water. But there's so much salt in it. So much salt that it's it's actually dangerous. Hopefully, this 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 villain is brought to justice. Oh my god! I'm working Killing, on it. <laughs> yeah, I know, well, if anyone has done a, a a decent effort at it, I think it's you. So, on the uh, on the topic of uh, I guess biology and cabbage and you know autism, we got this movie Annihilation, <laughs> and uh, you know it's it, it explores some interesting topics i will say that and um you know one of the main one of the, one of the biggest aspects of this movie that i particularly enjoyed and we can kind of branch out onto maybe some other things from this is that it seems to be like a best of of science fiction films of the past did you pick up on that not exactly what do you mean so there are aspects of this movie that I you know I I I can very clearly see like the 1982 thing. I sure. can see uh, the day the Earth stood still. We've almost got like under the skin type vibes here, oh, and I don't know if that was all intentional or if it was uh, coincidental. Perhaps I, I I don't know, but there it seemed like they were drawing from a lot of different sources uh, with this movie. Yeah, the. Um the the thing reference is kind of interesting too i mean i i think it like the themes of uh isolation for the the team once they go in uh is is very indicative of it um mm-hmm. however the what's what kind of sets it apart from it i think is a sort of intention cuz the one of the fascinating things about this movie that I think is so interesting is the problem. I mean, I don't know if we're in spoiler territory yet or not, but uh, the 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 problem, the focus, uh, is something that is devoid of specific intent or purpose. Yeah, so, that is definitely something that sets this movie apart from anything else that I actually found very refreshing, and I, I appreciated that. Um, but a, as far as spoilers go, I mean. It's going to be like an hour long show. We're not going to we're, we're in spoiler territory right now. So by all means, delve into the plot as much as you like. Absolutely. Yeah, because the the basic idea behind it is uh, and if I'm not mistaken, in the book, it doesn't say specifically where the shimmer comes from. The, the big field of energy that is spreading out from the impact of a comet. Uh, it doesn't say state specifically in the book that it's a comet. But for the sake of the movie, it was. And when when they come face to face with it, 
with with as much as it can be even represented when when Natalie Portman finally reaches the lighthouse uh the the behavior of it and it's even mirrored when she's talking to uh what is his name is it Benedict Wong yeah that yeah. is the actor yeah she's talking to Benedict Wong in the uh the flash forward sequence she didn't think it actually wanted anything it, it kind of gives you this uh and it really is. It's a refreshing change because usually if with an antagonist, they have like a specific intent, whether you can even understand it or not, or mm-hmm. even sympathize with it. With this, it's something that's so truly, truly alien. Uh, it, it's it's even doubtful that it has either a consciousness or even has even bends to the rules of understanding what a consciousness is. And that is something that, you know, as I said before, I found that very refreshing and Probably, you know, I mean, it, it's a little dodgy to say realistic, but if if something like that were to happen, I'd put my money more on something with that intent as opposed to uh, something that might be necessarily malignant toward us, like Stephen Hawking believed. Right. I, I definitely found that to be one of the more positive aspects of this film as far as storytelling went. Uh, what did you think, technically speaking, as far as the direction, the writing and the acting had gone with Annihilation. Because it has been praised on almost all fronts. I haven't really seen too many people picking it apart. Um, but then again, people aren't really talking about it now that we've gotten later into the year. It was something that I feel like got a lot of buzz at the start of 2018 and has maybe since fizzled out a little. I think also it, it didn't... I think even when it came out, it didn't get nearly as much buzz as it really needed to. Um, well, it, it it had kind of a weird release, didn't it? Where they put it out into theaters, but it was kind of low-key, and then abroad, it went direct direct to Netflix. Right, yeah. that it, it was really interesting because there was a lot of weird issues with the production. The test screenings did not go well. It really didn't go well. And so the studio... The studio wanted to make this movie dumber. They, mm. Their exact intent was they wanted to make this movie less intellectual, less cerebral... And ultimately, it came down to the producer, which I was just looking at. Uh, we were just looking at him, actually. Scott yes. Rudden. Yeah, Scott yeah. Rudden uh, had final say, and he was like, no, 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 we're going to keep it just as is. So I'm assuming that they kind of expected it wasn't going to do very well. It was already promoted in America that it was going to come out in the theaters, so they put it out mm-hmm. in the theaters. But the same day it was released in theaters, it was released on Netflix everywhere else. Right, which is not good for combating piracy. No. I think that might have actually had something to do with it. Is uh, In some ways, I think the film industry can't shut up about piracy, but I think the, the general consumer doesn't really give a shit about it or, or think about how much it does affect the film industry. Because I, I think that could very well be the case as to why it's been kind of understated this year Right, uh, as, a, as a decent movie. I, I liked it. A lot, like on a, from a technical aspect, I love how this movie is shot. Um, it's it's gorgeous. The the way they very subtly tweak and twist the color palette depending on what scene and which period we're actually at. Then when they get into the shimmer, everything the saturation is turned uh, turned up higher. I uh, there's 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 such brilliant little clever chunks and shots that are put in there and i'm not surprised either i mean they got uh rob hardy back he was in ex machina and that was another beautifully Mm -hmm. shot movie Uh, he's also the guy who uh did just this year uh, mission impossible fallout oh that movie was great that that movie was amazing yeah and it was it was shot incredibly well just absolutely stunning visually stunning so i i think in that aspect it was pretty pretty incredible um Obviously, the sound was amazing. Not all of the acting was fantastic. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you who got on my nerves was that Jane the Virgin. I I could not wait for her to die. She she was really starting to ruin the movie for me a little bit. Jane the which one was she? Uh, Gina Rodriguez. She played uh, Anya. Oh yeah 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 yeah. No, she she was driving me crazy too. Yeah. Um, and, uh, what the, what was Ventress? Uh, Jennifer Jason Lee, I both loved and hated her in this movie. Uh, there was just this kind of, she has a weird way in some of her roles where she, she's extremely sedate. Yeah. And that was kind of reflected in this. 
Uh, but there, there are periods where she really does shine and it, it works really well. But overall, I, I, I kind of, I want to, I kept wanting to like shake her and wake her up a little bit. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's definitely her, her, uh, just, just her, you know? Yeah. Um, another one was Oscar Isaac. I thought he was maybe, uh, you know, underutilized a little bit, but I get it given his role in the film. And Natalie Portman, I thought was actually, she, she was really good in this movie. And like you said before, she can be very hit or miss depending on which film you're, you're checking out. But this is definitely one that I thought was pretty up there as far as her performances have gone as of recent. Absolutely. Yeah, Oscar Isaac basically was kind of told, you need to just be intense or you need to be distant and alien. Uh, but the the scene in the uh, in the camcorder... When he's, oh, yeah. when yeah. he's sitting there, like, I, I don't know if he picked up on this. Like, it's very, very subtle, and it was really, really well done in how he did it. Uh, and he, he starts saying things like, I thought I was a man. Uh, I see my my skin begin to move, et cetera, et cetera. He's got a southern accent. Yeah. And he didn't have that the whole rest of the movie. Like, there, there's definitely some sort of, like, there's there's merging going on, just like we see throughout the whole rest of the movie. Um, but it's, it, it kind of gets that little hint that maybe he's, he's merged maybe with some of his team. One guy had like a Southern accent or something and that, mm. I, oh, guy was perfect. That's interesting. I didn't necessarily draw that conclusion. I, I thought that the, uh, the, again, we're already in spoiler territory. So fuck it. The, the alien that duplicates his body, right. Uh, didn't pick up on certain traits and so maybe that was the difference. But that's actually a more interesting theory is that kind of, uh, you know, singularity that's, that's starting to occur between uh, the team there. Well, here's a good question, you know. And I, so we, we see throughout the movie that things are not only changing, their DNA is being changed by the prism that is the alien, the entity, whatever it is. Uh, mm. This prism is 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 refracting and twisting and changing everything, everything, even time. Uh, that not only is it is it changing things, but also in some ways it's replicating. You see it with the deer uh, that have like almost perfect synchronous movements. Um, you see it in in various different other things. I mean, like, and, and there's definitely a type of DNA swapping going in between uh, characters in between people. But the right. question, though, is who ate the phosphorus grenade? Was it Oscar Isaac's original? Was it was it the original Kane or was that the duplicate? And who came back? Well, I, I thought at the end of the movie that it was the original Kane that wound up uh, self immobilizing. I, I maybe I'm wrong because obviously the Natalie Portman character at the end of the film seems pretty regular old Natalie Portman. And then you find out, oh. Well, no, she's actually a duplicate. So I don't know. That's uh, I don't. I don't think there's a conclusive answer to that that you could draw from the film. I think that's up for interpretation. I think my favorite interpretation of it, uh, and this this goes for for Natalie Portman's character as well, is that at the point where the movie ends, and because she, you know, she now has the the Ouroboros tattoo, the snake eating its own tail, which. You see not only on uh, Gina Rodriguez's character, but also the body that's blasted and fused with the wall in the swimming mm-hmm. pool. Like this, this tattoo for some reason is being transferred here and there. Like at the end of the movie, when you have uh, Kane and Lena, whether they're actually the duplicates or whether they're just a fused com- combination is ultimately kind of irrelevant because. On a genetic level, neither of them, even if they were the originals, are actually the originals now. Their DNA right. has been scrambled up so much; they're something entirely different. Yeah, these are these are very interesting concepts that the film toys with. I don't know; it, it, it's a it definitely made it stand out in that way. And I wonder if they're going to further. I, I don't know what the box office was like for this movie, but I know that there's two other books in this series of. Uh, uh, that Vandermeer had put out, mm-hmm. and if that's something that will be continued upon or or what? Uh, are you familiar with the the two other 
I, I think one might be a prequel and one might be a sequel. Or they might just both be sequels. I don't know. Are you familiar with where the story goes from there? I'm really not. I uh, I really do want to pick up the books now, though, because I, I love this movie so much and it's an interesting concept. But nah, I've, I've never been able to figure it out what happens afterwards. Yeah, part of the Southern Reach trilogy. Yeah, this was the first one. So I don't know if it made enough money back that they'll continue it. Maybe they'll do that whole girl with the dragon tattoo thing where they just put out a sequel 15 years later with nobody involved from the first one. I, I have no idea. You said she was dead. There's a lot here that draws from the thing, but also like the original, the thing from another world with that whole biological aspect and plant life and all that. Absolutely. Um, what would you say are some of your go-to science fiction films that might be in the same kind of league as Annihilation? Ooh, that's a tough one. I mean, it's very rare when you can get you can get something that's as polished as this in sci-fi mm-hmm. that that doesn't drift into uh, a, a totally different subgenre of sci-fi because this is this isn't just cerebral. Uh, Would you it, consider this this movie body horror? Not really. Not really. I yeah. think I think what's what's fascinating about it too, because like some people do classify this as a horror movie. I wouldn't classify it as a horror movie at all. But there are scenes like the the bear scene is one of the most horrifying things I've seen in a long time. It was genuinely upsetting. But I still wouldn't necessarily call it a horror movie because the intent of it is so drastically different from a regular horror movie. Um, this is it's really a. a a genre-breaking kind of film. I will say, probably the closest thing I would, I would, I could definitively call this movie is it's it's an adventure movie because there is actually a a rather fantastical and progressive uh, movement throughout the film. You know, all culminating in a, in a climax. So I, I guess I could call it an adventure film, but. As far as what's what's similar to it, I have no idea. An adventure film that that didn't even come to mind. I was thinking maybe uh, I could I could roll with uh, just a generic action, perhaps. But adventure, I, I hmm, I don't know if I would I would go so far to say adventure. Uh, maybe just because I think like Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom when I think of adventure. But I I don't know. I, yeah, it is very unique in that way, and I actually agree that I don't think I would put this in the body horror bin, which is a genre that I am personally a big fan of. Oh, me and there are, as- there are aspects of that that are definitely embedded in this movie, but I guess the thing that sets this movie apart is that it, it handles it in a very different way. Like, you go and you watch a Cronenberg movie, and what you're seeing is repulsive, and it's supposed to be like, yeah, this is definitely a bad thing. This is... bad, affirmative, okay? But here, it's like, yeah, it's not going to be great for you. You, You're going to be probably (laughs) dead, maybe, or you'll wind up as a a handful of fireflies or whatever the fuck happened to Jennifer Jason Lee. Um, But, you know, in the eyes of of this creature of the universe, they're not necessarily trying to do something negative to you. They're just doing a thing. Right. A mindless mindless expansionist thing that it neither can control or or nor is probably even perceptually aware that it does it you know it's a force of nature something so alien that it's it's warping everything around it um you know the cronenberg thing is a good example though because if you watch a cronenberg film and you you have these these repulsive uh visceral visual scenes you know um they are striking and they're mm-hmm. impressive I, on a on a practical scale like they're usually incredibly well executed but at the same time, there, there's a persistent vibe that this is happening. Whereas with this movie, this movie disarms you. It, it catches you completely out of left field. You don't, you, you don't really, your first viewing of it, you don't really understand what's about to happen to you. And it, it instills an emotional effect that is so rare in cinema these days where... It's not just that you're getting emotionally invested into the movie, but the movie can compel you into a, how do I want to put it? It compels you into a a, a visceral and immediate 
uh, emotional shock and response. Mm. Like for instance, uh, so the, the, the pacing of the movie is, is, is usually pretty consistent at times, but it's got kind of a slow plotting gait to it. And then you get into the, the scene where they're in the mess hall and they discover the, uh, the, the, the camcorder, you know, and they open it up and it's the soldiers and it's the, the, the stomach cutting scene that was so expertly done. The sound mixing, the editing, everything put together so well that it immediately stops the film. Emotionally, you're like, what the shit just mm. happened? And from there, like, it, 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 it just, it continues to, to, to shock and, and pull things out of the dark. And it's, it, it's more scary than a, than a horror movie, and it's still not a horror movie. Right. There is that, that creepier aspect of, uh, because we, as we were just discussing, you know, you don't know exactly what the intent of this is, and you don't think necessarily that it is uh, a being that is trying to necessarily do harm, just do something that we can't understand, which kind of puts out a weirder vibe to everything, a more unsettling vibe, in my opinion. And also, the, the bigger difference between uh, this and a Cronenberg film is Cronenberg, well, I get maybe in Videodrome a little bit, but this movie seems to deal with the idea that matters of the flesh are secondary. They, they deal with the consciousness and higher plane kinds of things and, and merging, you know, which I don't think Cronenberg ever really got into. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would agree, you know, Videodrome a little bit. Um, but yeah, no, this this is this is definitely a, a fresh territory for sure. I mean, w- one of the things that I I absolutely love and I was I was also studying for a bit in school uh, was neuroscience and neurology. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I loved about this movie is as their DNA is warping, as their DNA is being like swapped back and forth. The thing that's so interesting to me is when when the human mind uh, is 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 delivered information it doesn't understand it tries to interpret it right. and when we have say like brain damage a lot of times people aren't even perceptually aware that they have brain damage because we have biological functions that try to counteract it as much as possible so what i what i i like to think about sometimes when i watch this movie uh because i've seen i've seen this movie a lot now uh is if their DNA is being swapped amongst each other and also other aspects, I wonder if the, 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 the confusion that is seen with Lena and Kane, uh, especially near the end of the film, is because their thoughts, their, their memories, uh, who they are as a conceptual person, a, a solitary individual, has been warped to the point where maybe they even have like other fragments of memories from other people as well. I mean, hmm. it's, it's, it's such a, it's a This trip. is definitely, yeah, I, I'm going to have to revisit this movie. I, you know, I, I had only watched it one time and I already knew as I was watching it, I was like, yeah, I'm going to have to revisit this. Cause there's just so many like very subtle things you can pick up on throughout the movie. Uh, and uh, that you're getting into here and now that I just glossed over as I was watching. One of the really interesting, uh, concepts that some people have talked about with this movie is I, the name. Uh, yeah. Annihilation is is a very poignant name for it, and, and Jennifer Jason Leigh, uh, her character near the end, which is it's really it's it's so it's so subtle and disturbing too. When when uh, Lena finds her inside the the crater, inside the the crazy alien chamber, uh, mm-hmm. before she sees her, the camera shows her, and and she doesn't have eyes. So there's kind of a question of this: is this like a half formed replica or? Is she warping like that? But she says right. annihilation, and ultimately uh, her entire body is, is annihilated into glowing fireflies or whatever the hell happened yeah, to her, yeah. you know. Um, but the themes in this are interesting, and some people believe that certain aspects are, are reflected in it. Like, for instance, uh, Lena's inability to stay faithful to her husband is, uh, is an aspect of self-destructive behavior. Um, hmm. that uh, even life itself is a destructive force, um, you know, because like Benedict Wan is saying, like, you know, is this an attack? 
it's not destroying and it's destroying things and he's like it's not destroying things it's creating something new so there there's like this and i still don't I, i've probably seen this movie like 10 times now i still don't quite get where those connections are really supposed to be made you know between mm. be, because like the the whole aspect of her cheating on her husband is probably the the one thing that I don't really quite understand why it's in it. Yeah, I hmm. I looked at that as Yeah, I don't actually that doesn't make sense. Um I was going to say that that was going to be the connection that uh is supposed to tip off the audience to that kind of singular singularity happening between uh the character Lena and her husband Oscar Isaac because he knows about that. He identifies that earlier on in the movie when he comes home. He mentions that. But at that point, yeah, no, it doesn't make sense. I I, I have no idea. Yeah, that's Um, that's the one thing I still got to figure out. You talked about uh, Jennifer Jason Lee's character. You know, something that really peeves me in movies is when they say the title of the movie in the movie. I couldn't stand that moment. I'll tell you that right now. Oh, (laughs) really? Yeah. It dropped about three points for me after after that. You know, you you, you don't tune into uh, American Psycho and hear Patrick Bateman go, "Hey, you know, I'm a real American Psycho." No. Yeah, no, that would that would be that would be god awful. (laughs) It just I it it always every single time it could be it could be Citizen Kane, uh, and it would pull me out of the movie, but um. This Annihilation, it's definitely one that I'm going to have to watch a second time. I feel uh, malprepped, if anything, having gone into this this discussion, only watching it uh, once, to be honest with you. But uh, it is definitely a visually interesting film. I love that they kind of take, you know, they, they, they draw from animals and they kind of make them incomplete or they merge them with other ones. Like the bear, for instance, in that sequence that... And I, I keep going back to the 1982 thing, but that scene where Gina Rodriguez's character ties up the the characters and she's, you know, threatening them Ooh. and she's going crazy. That's all very reminiscent to the 82 thing when they're doing the blood test. Yeah, the bear has, a, has almost like a wolf face and it's incomplete. I love those, those aspects uh, of this movie. Just recently, because I, I watched it again today. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I paused in the bear scene, uh, cause I wanted to get a really good look at it too. What's wild. So, you know, there's, there's kind of an allusion to maybe it absorbed part of the, the character that it killed. Uh, and, and there was kind of, there was, it was a scene that kind of took me out a little bit. Um, <clears throat> I'm trying to remember what her name is, but the, uh, the girl that turned into the flowers, uh, Tessa Thompson, that's who it was. Yeah, uh, she's like it's horrifying to think in her last moments that was what got absorbed by the bear, which I, I think was silly uh, to put in because I don't. It doesn't really seem to fit. What I thought was interesting was <clears throat> it obviously absorbed something because it started screaming in the in the girl's voice that she right. that, it, that it killed. When you pause it and you look at the bear. Not only is it is it all warped and fucked up, you can see its skull is also starting to grow part of a human skull off to the side. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's brilliant. And uh, the thing that I also liked about these creatures in the movie, too, is that they don't really... I mean, w- with the bear scene, this is actually a poor example because they do showcase it fairly well. But they don't really... They don't get hung up on... The differences, right? They they kind of leave you to notice that yourself right. in the moment. Did you see any other negative aspects of this movie aside from, uh, I think you had cited the occasional performance here or there from a particular actress or two, maybe not being up to snuff? Yeah, I, I, it really came down to mostly some flaws in the acting. Uh, there was that one that one scene, like I mentioned, with the uh, uh, in her last moments, that kind of that kind of bugged me a bit. Yeah. Um, the only thing I think that that otherwise kind of bothered me was the very predictable twist of uh, discovering that that Kane was her husband, and that's that's the lead in and the purpose for uh, the Gina Rodriguez's character to to tie everybody up. I mean, I saw that coming a mile away. I'm like, why doesn't she should tell the team? that that's her husband. Like, why is this being held that much of a secret? I, I mean, it makes sense for the story, 
but it was just too cliche for me. Mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. that that kind of bugged me a little bit. It, it, it just felt like it was trying a little too hard at sometimes. But on the whole, uh, I do think this is probably one of the better science fiction movies to come out in recent memory. Off the top of my head, the only other I see, I, I wouldn't consider Arrival a science fiction film, though. Like that, that that's my that's my secondary go to for like, aside from Blade Runner, which is a very different kind of science fiction movie. Yeah, very um, different. Yeah. Just thinking back, what has this genre offered that's been of note as of recent? I think Arrival might be a good comparison to it, but even that's like so different. I, I'd say Arrival is. I'd say Arrival is pretty good because it not only takes, uh, you know, some familiar aspects from movies, from some from sci-fi movies, but it switches it around enough mm-hmm. with really, really uh, curious and new concepts. Like for them, uh, the way the aliens communicate, and which is the whole basis for the film, was drastically different. Which you know, a, a lot like Annihilation. Uh, the alien itself is may not even be perceptually aware, and what it's doing is something actually rather interesting. Um, it's not really a mutation; it's more like a, a force of physics. So I would I would actually kind of compare this to Arrival. I mean, they're very different, but yeah, there are know. similarities to be made for certain. Do you think that this territory is where the future of sci-fi, on film anyway, is going? Where we kind of treat aliens or multi-dimensional creatures, whatever you want to consider them in this particular way where it's maybe not an us versus them situation. I kind of hope that this doesn't necessarily catch on as a trope. I kind of like the idea that these projects are reflecting the brilliance of the filmmakers themselves, specifically like Denis Villeneuve uh, and Alex Garland. Like these, these men are incredible artists so I like the idea that maybe this this these incredible uh, films and experiences are more flowing from that because I know mm-hmm. that as soon as lesser <laughs> less talented directors and filmmakers try and, and emulate this process, it's just going to be a goddamn mess. Oh, you're not looking forward to uh, what Paul W S Anderson or uh, you oh. know Yui Bull coming out of retirement? <laughs> you know what? I, I support Yui Bull coming out of retirement. That'd be that'd be wonderful. But I mean, you know, I don't want to see what what the hell is even even is the, the dude who made like Armageddon, Michael Bay. I, I don't want to see Michael Bay trying to do like some mind bending, genre breaking film. Oh no, that, that's going to be Bumblebee that comes out this December, <laughs> yeah. where where Bumblebee has to have an existential crisis, <laughs> contemplate the nature yeah. of the universe. Fuck me, no. No thanks. You don't want you don't want a Transformers film that draws upon like the writing of Terrence McKenna or uh, oh god uh, I don't know <laughs> let's get a Transformers film directed by David Lynch please oh yeah well you no know, that that's interesting because David Lynch you know he almost he almost got into this whole popular science fiction territory with uh, Return of the Jedi oh yeah that's right I forgot yeah. all about that yeah yeah that right after. Right after Elephant Man, he had, you know, two options on the table for going commercial, and it was Return of the Jedi or Dune. For better or worse, he went with Dune. And personally, I, th- I think that Dune movie is a lot of fun. It yeah. is, as far as, like, being an adaptation of the book, you know, there, 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 there could definitely be a better one. I think there probably will be a very uh, great one coming okay. down the pike. But it, it's, uh, it's maybe underrated a little bit. It's just a movie. It's a I, movie. I think it's I think it's one hundred percent underrated. I, I actually get into fights with Nick about this all the time <laughs> on the YouTube scenes because uh-huh. uh, he he's like it's the worst movie ever made. I I think it's great. It's it's fun. I mean, and I'm yeah. a, I'm a huge Frank Herbert fan, so I shouldn't like it, but I do. Visually speaking, I think it's stunning. The set design was incredible. Uh, I think everybody did uh, acting wise at least a competent or or great job. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just the problem with that movie is it's, it's just a mess, you know? Oh, it, it, it is totally a mess, but yeah. <laughs> in the best way, in my opinion, I don't yeah. know. Did you, did you, do you know anything about what Alejandro Jodorowsky wanted to do with Dune? Yeah, no, I read up on, on that. I haven't seen, I think there's a documentary made on it or something. Oh yeah. 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 There's I, a, there's an excellent documentary that came out in 2013 called Jodorowsky's Dune. 
and it is 100% worth a watch. That that makes David Lynch's Dune look far more sane. I will say that. Well, it's Jodorowsky, so I mean, uh, Jodorowsky, he, he, the dude is a madman. I read a little bit about what he wanted to do to it, and I'm really glad he didn't make it because... <laughs> I mean, it, Jesus Christ! What the hell was he smoking when he start, when he started developing that idea? He he didn't know anything about the book. He just bought the property and he started coming up with the idea. Like he learned everything after the fact. He had his own ideas he right. wanted to bring to it. And I I know that for a while they were talking about doing a animated film that was going to be based upon Jodorowsky's Dune, which that you know maybe, I'd be all right with that. Yeah, I think that's probably a, a much more feasible and better medium for it. Not just because Orson Welles has been dead for like 40 years, but right. uh, I, I I think that could be very interesting. But I think that's kind of gotten absorbed into Denny Villeneuve's Dune. I think he was actually going to take some aspects from that because there's like this, there are books and books of concept art from this production that wound up getting used in like Alien, in Star Wars, in all these science fiction films that wound up, uh, coming after the fact because he was collabing with H.R. Geiger. And right, absolutely. A lot of, yeah, so very interesting stuff. I, I can't recommend that documentary enough. It's so good. But I, obviously I have a penchant for unmade films and digging into that, so. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I just, I, I, I also wanted to go and look real quick because I, I hadn't really thought about it in a while. Uh, Jodorowsky, he, he's like, I think he's pushing 90 He's gonna mm. be he's gonna be ninety next year. That is so crazy. I think. Can I do math? I can. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I also didn't realize that um, he actually made one of my absolute favorite favorite horror movies ever, Santa Sangre. I have not seen this movie or heard of it before. <laughs> it is it is a brilliant film. Uh, if if you if you love Jodorowsky, you should you should check it out. It's really good. Give like a, just a quick one sentence summary of it to sell me on this movie. Um, okay, uh, a dude uh, escapes from a mental hospital to uh, to join up with his mom. Uh, for this act they do, his mom doesn't have arms, and instead he uses her arms uh, for for piano playing. And they're, mm-hmm. she's basically the leader of this really crazy, weird cult. It's it's also kind of a romance story. Uh, it's like a horror romance fantasy. It's really dense, really complicated. I, I, I just realized I, I asked you to describe a, a Jodorowsky film, which is no easy task yeah. in, in a sentence, no less. So <laughs> I don't, I'll have to I'll have to check it out myself. But yeah. uh, I'm already sold on that. There was one other thing I wanted to touch on real quick regarding Dune, but I, I don't know. It, it, it's escaped my brain. Do you have any uh, any closing thoughts on Annihilation? I guess um, I would say if somebody's going to go watch this movie for the first time. Uh, we've ruined it for you already. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we <laughs> make have. sure make sure you've got uh, some really really good speakers because again, like you know, it, it's there are three main characters in this movie for me. One is Natalie Portman's acting; she's incredible. When the movie focuses solely on her, uh, it is amazing. Uh, she and I, I feel like she does make up for the weakness of her her co stars. But mm-hmm. when it is solely her, including the, the spectacular uh, climax ending uh, in the lighthouse, uh, she's wonderful. So she's character number one. Character number two is the music. Music adds so much to this incredible film uh, that it becomes almost a character into itself. And uh, the third for me is, is Alex Garland's uh, very cerebral uh, way he goes about directing and his storytelling. Um, you know, he wrote the screenplay. Uh, so for me, like the combination of those three make this something that is, is in my mind, it's, it's almost a masterpiece, if not for the most tiniest little reasons why it's not. Uh, so it's like, it's borderline up there. And it's probably going to be one of my favorite movies of all time. I was just thinking to myself, because you had mentioned that the sound of this film is so good. I think they did a big disservice by releasing this direct to Netflix abroad. Um, And I I kind of wish that I had seen it in a theater as opposed to uh, streaming it. Because that that can honestly make all the difference in 
your viewing of a movie. Like, uh, you know, it, it can even affect how you see, like, the CG and all that. Like, it, the, the theatrical experience is very uh, underrated nowadays as far as I'm concerned. And I don't understand why they didn't release this abroad. I think this kind of movie would, would go over really well maybe in China. I don't know if if it's the whole, like, woman thing, if that, that is uh, looked at as a negative there or what. That's actually something about this movie I wanted to talk about, though. Um, that, that's something that really bugs me. I don't remember what movie it was that was released around the same time as Annihilation, but it got a lot of buzz. Uh, it got uh, a lot of people talking about it, and it was because of the social aspect. It was a very uh, girl power, feminist movie, and a lot of people hated it. Some people liked it, although I think most people who liked it just liked it because of the social messaging uh, behind it, because mm-hmm. it wasn't really that good of a film. I wish I could remember which one it was, but I remember thinking about this specifically because Annihilation is honestly how you should make a empowering uh, movie based on on specifically women characters. Like, it's a great feminist movie because all of the characters are women. They're all brilliant. They're all tough and, and enduring. They're all survivors. Uh, like, this is, this is a great fucking film for that reason. You know, you have strong, powerful female characters. And none of it is, is like, forced down your throat in any way it's it's so well done that mm-hmm. you don't even realize it's happening until you start reflecting on the movie and you're like wow that'd be a really good movie to like you know show up uh, a teenage girl like hey join a stem field join the military be a badass you know right and moreover though uh they're not like cardboard cutouts of that they all right. have their own respective flaws that uh you know play a part to the storyline as well. They're not as uh, uh, generic as something, you know, you might see in Paul Feig's Ghostbusters movie, you know, exactly. or, or something like that, you <laughs> yeah. know? So I, I, I do agree that it does a, a, a very good job in that uh, regard as well. Could it have been like the uh, the announcement of Ocean's 8 or something like that? You think tainted that it? That is or? exactly it. That is exactly what it was. And I'm like, you know, I, I fine. If people want to enjoy this film, enjoy your film. It's totally fine. But the problem is, is that far too often these things are delivered to us in a way that makes them uh, have, (laughs) I I would say, dishonest and and shitty feels behind them. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, like, you should watch this movie because women, whereas Annihilation is, you should watch this movie because it's brilliant. Also, all of her characters happen to be super badass women that are, are real and realistic and, well, and they're better characters than Ocean's yeah. 8. Like, fuck Ocean's yeah. 8. <laughs> it, it, it's interesting that I guess they looked at it as, oh, well, if we can't use this as a marketing campaign, then we have no marketing campaign. Right. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, it, it, like I said before, it did kind of go under the radar in that way. I, I don't know. I, I actually think it, uh, aside from maybe that aspect, again, I don't know if, there's uh, something over in the Chinese market where having an all-female movie or female lead is looked at as box office poison. But uh, I, on paper, anyway, this seems like the type of movie that would make bank over there no problem at all. They love CGI spectacles they really do. that are yeah. action-packed. So I, I, my, my hope is that we wind up getting more from Alex Garland because I think he is a very interesting filmmaker. And hopefully more science fiction films that kind of delve into complicated issues and ideas, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I will hungrily consume them if they make them <laughs> and, uh, and talk everybody's ear off about how much I love them for sure. Well, we are just about to hit the one hour mark here. So why don't you just give your, your plugs and I'll include those also in the description for this episode. Of movies. Sure thing. Uh, my name's Jeff Holiday. Um, you can find me on YouTube. You can just look for Jeff Holiday and you'll find me there. Uh, I also do uh, Twitch streaming at twitch.tv slash real Jeff Holiday. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. If you like uh, somebody shredding apart bad, shitty pseudoscience, then uh, I'm your guy. If you're up for another round of this, I think we might have a, a Dune episode in the, in the chamber at some point. I don't know. <laughs> yes, I'm so down. Awesome. All right, Jeff, thank you so much for coming on the show again. Yeah, thanks again, man.